Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. just for a second. Here's where we're in danger of, of believing is that we believe that our worship ends when the song ends. Don't miss this. Your worship is not just the songs you sing in church. Worship is how you live your life. That song, Gratitude, we're not just thanking Jesus one hour a week and saying, Jesus, you're awesome, you're the best, you're awesome. Then you leave and you live differently. No, everything we do, the way we treat people, that's worship. When you recognize who God is, what he's done for you, your response is not just saying thank you. Your response is loving people like he loved you. Amen? That's part of our worship. And 12 Stone, that leads us into our conversation today. So we started a conversation about this calling God's given our church. And that calling is called Daymaker. And we're called to make the days of other people and when we sing and we worship, our worship in here should fuel the way we love people out there. See, we're stepping into week two of this Daymaker thing, and I'm just going to tell you, I am so proud of our church this week. My social media has blown up with all y'all crazy stories of Daymaker all over the place. You took it to heart. You said, listen, we're going to go ahead and live this thing. Jesus, I trust you. Would you give me eyes to see people like you do, a heart to love people like you do, and use my hands to serve people. And we got stories we can begin to celebrate as a church already from Daymaker. Here's a picture of Emma Jones from our Sugarloaf campus. Here she is serving one of our ministry partners, Jambos, in her Daymaker shirt. Come on, that's it. We can celebrate Emma. There she is. She's, she's wrapping pajamas to give to foster kids. Just making the day as a people she will never meet, but Jesus will meet them when she serves them. Amen? See, here's another, here's another story. There's a picture of someone driving out of their neighborhood in Buford, and this is the sign that was on the edge of their neighborhood as they were leaving, just reminding them, listen, got to be a daymaker today. That little kid needs to get a graphic design like job immediately. Well done. I'm impressed. See, here's, here's another story. One mom said that, that her girls have been making a cart a day for each of their teachers. And they've heard the phrase, you've made my day multiple times this week. Listen, don't overcomplicate this calling of daymaker. Here's the lower bar. I almost cursed in traffic but decided not to and smile and wave instead. I made my own day. Listen, for some of you, that would be a daymaker breakthrough right there in traffic. Listen, Daniel and Ashley Parr, you've heard their story from this stage before. They have a three-year-old named Emery, beautiful little boy who's struggling through leukemia. And so they spend weeks and weeks and weeks down at Scottish Rite during the chemo treatments. And so part of what they do while their own family's going through it is they meet other families that love on them and get a chance to connect and meet. And there's a little boy named Nash Similar age, similar type of leukemia, and they're on similar chemo treatment plans, so they happen to be in there all the time. And this past week, Nash was supposed to go home the day before his birthday, and then he spiked a fever. So this little boy's gonna spend his birthday in the hospital. 
and Daniel and Ashley know what that would feel like. They've done it before. And they said, man, if we're supposed to be daymakers, we gotta do something about it. So they went and they, they bought a little gift bag and you get a chance to see that little moment with Nash where they deliver this gift bag. And that little boy opened up and what is it? It's a piece of, piece of paper in a bag and a little Hulk smashed little toy. And what is that to that boy? He's seen by God. In the midst of your struggle, parents, God sees you in that moment and the pars in that moment said, we're not gonna let them spend their birthday alone. We're gonna make their day. Praise Jesus. This is playing out across 12 Stone Home. There's Emily Forbes in Maryland and she said it this way. We're taking Daymaker country style here. We're going country style. They, their, their daughter was about to show their cow at a 4-H fair in Maryland. Come on now, taking it country style. And I don't know anything about this, but her explanation was it's exhausting getting the animals ready all week long. You're up late at night, up early in the morning. And this week they said, listen, we're going to show up. And so Emily and her son, Liam, showed up with Daymaker Dunkin' Coffee and Donuts and just blessed the families at the 4-H fair. We got Robert Schumann as a home leader in Dawsonville here in Georgia. And he had breakfast with a friend and there's a stranger, a table over, kind of listening into their conversation. And afterwards he said, are you guys Christians? like, we are. And they struck up a conversation, and this man told them that he recently had to relocate from Canada down here locally so that he could get into a drug rehab center to help him break his addiction. And they were able right there in the restaurant to pray over this man. And he was like, God put you here on purpose today. Prayed over him. They exchanged phone numbers. And Robert's like, listen, I'm going to walk with you on your journey. So you never know when daymaker's going to happen. Moments where God just puts it in front of you. Says, listen... Here's an opportunity to make somebody's day. And last weekend, man, we get to celebrate a bunch of daymakers that helped us launch a campus up in Jackson County, Georgia. We had 887 people show up to launch last weekend. Can we celebrate that? Welcome Jackson County campus. Praise Jesus for what he's doing. And at that campus, there's a, there's a daymaker named Jake. And Jake uh, is on the setup teardown team. And if you've ever launched a campus, they don't have a building yet. So they have to take a school and make it a church and then make it back into a school again every weekend. The lot to it. Jake's on the setup team. And Jake took it upon himself last weekend to show up extra early and said, I got a better design idea for how the children's space is going to work. And he showed up extra early, redesigned it to help serve the hundreds of new families last weekend better than we could, could have ever done. And then after he did that, he went home and showered, got his own family dressed and brought them to church. So Jake, way to be a daymaker here at this church, man. We love you. We love what God's doing in Jackson County. And it delights my heart to hear stories of how God's already putting this calling into the heart of our church. Man, it makes me proud. If I, if I got to decide what 12 Stone Church was going to be known for in the years ahead, it would simply be this. We would be known as the place that does this. We love Jesus and we love people. Like if, 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 if we could be known for something, it wouldn't be a building or a program or an idea. It, we would be known as the place that loves people, loves Jesus and loves people. Like what's 12 Stone about? I don't completely know, but those folks love people and they love Jesus and that's all I know about them. If I could pick it, that's what I would pick. And that really is the heart of Daymaker. But let me add some more theological and biblical gravity to this calling. Here's how the Apostle Paul says it. Get ready. There is weight in this. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Buckle up, it gets heavy. Christ's ambassadors, all as though God were making his appeal through you and I, through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's what God's saying, daymakers. Listen, he's saying, I'm literally making my invitation to follow Jesus through how you live your life. And if that doesn't give you a little bit of conviction and weight on your chest, you're not reading that right. Like, God, God say, I'm sending you and the way you live, the way that you treat people is how I want them to see me. And our ultimate prayer as a daymaker is not just that we do good stuff for people. This is not a, just a kindness campaign. Go do good things. It's that, this, that, that our kindness would point them to God's kindness. And then here's what the book of Romans tells us. God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Our end goal was that people would bow to Jesus because of our kindness. Our kindness leads them to look at God's kindness. And God's kindness leads them to repentance. That is our ultimate prayer. Daymaker is not a marketing campaign of smiley faces and stickers. It's a calling to live into what Jesus invites us to in 2 Corinthians. That we would be his ambassadors. Speaking of stickers, this week I heard another cool daymaker story. There's a little boy named uh, there's a little boy named Max that we're going to get to, but here's the story I want to talk about first. There's a there's a couple named Andy and Tammy Cash. They're at the Snellville campus. They were sitting in a service just like you are right now, and Andy and Tammy left, and they were their plan was to go home. And their plan was to get home and go meet up with a friend and hang out for the afternoon. Any of y'all love like the slow, quiet, chill Sunday afternoons? Just curious, across the campuses, crosswalks at home. Anyone love a Sunday afternoon nap? Anybody hands? Ain't nothing like it. Jesus is in that. He'll meet you in your nap. Praise God. That's all you need to hear today. You're like, done. I'm taking a nap. And that was the plan, like a nice, lazy Sunday afternoon. But they're driving home. And Andy and Tammy see an accident happen on the highway and they drive home. Not far from the Snellville campus. So if you're not from Atlanta, when you see an accident, here's what you do. Left lane as fast as you can and get around it. Because if you get stuck behind the line of traffic from an accident, shut your car off, park it, recline your seat. You might be there a while, right? And that was their initial response. Like, get around it quick. We got stuff to do. And the Spirit of God whispered, really? What did you just talk about in church? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be a day maker? And they're like, yeah, God, we're going to start tomorrow, right? And Andy and Timmy, it was like the Spirit of God said, now pull over. They pulled their car up behind the accident and got out, and there was a, a mom with two kids in one of the vehicles. And you, you know how it feels if you've ever been in an accident. Your brain's fried. You're like, what am I supposed to do? And they said, listen, you got a lot to figure out. Do you mind if we take your two kids, put them in our car, we'll turn the AC on. we got a snack for them. They can chill back there, and you might be able to see a little picture of that moment. The car accident plays out. They take the kids in their car, care for them so the mom can deal with the police and all that and get the insurance stuff done and just gave her a breath. And then once all that was done, Andy and Tammy were able to actually put a hand on her shoulder and pray for her, invited to church and say, listen, I know today is terrible, but I hope this made your day a little bit better. See, daymaker moments, here's what God does through daymakers. He takes ordinary moments and turns them into opportunities for people to feel the love of God. Andy and Tammy, what an incredible moment. You showed the heart of God to that family, but don't miss the reality of this. That moment, although beautiful, was incredibly costly. They planned on hanging out with a friend, and instead they spent an hour on the side of the road of an Atlanta highway, in the heat, truck exhaust blowing in their face. This was not their plan for Sunday. How many of you right now, if I told you, who wants to hang out for an hour on the side of the road today on the way home? No, I'm not signing up for that. 
See, the reality is this cost, that moment was beautiful. It cost them. And here's the, the acknowledgement we have to make as we step into this daymaker calling. Being a daymaker is costly. Like, I'm not trying to just, just pretend it's all rainbows and butterflies and beautiful and easy. No, being a daymaker is unbelievably costly. You're, you're trading your time. You're trading your money and your resources, your energy, your care, your attention. Your, your, your life is being traded for someone else. It's incredibly costly. So that begs an honest question that we're going to unpack. Here's the question. Why should I be a daymaker? Like, if it's so costly... If it's going if, if to steal my Sunday afternoon for an hour, why would I do this? Like, why should, no one's going to force you to do it. So why should you choose to be a daymaker? See, that's what we're going to unpack together today. And we're going to jump back into the story we started with last week. And I want us to see a moment we skipped over. See, last weekend we talked from Matthew 14 where, where Jesus did a miracle and fed 5,000 hungry people. Remember the story from last week? If you weren't here last week, catch up on YouTube. It's worth seeing it. What happened was Jesus taught all day long, and these people were obviously getting hungry. They're in the middle of nowhere, no food, and the disciples' stomachs start to rumble, and they're like, Jesus, let's send the people away, and then we'll go get some food together, right? And that's, that was their plan. And Jesus goes, why don't you feed them? And the disciples go, what am I supposed to feed them with? And they bring Jesus these five loaves of bread, these two fish, and Jesus starts to multiply them miraculously and feeds a crowd of over 5,000 people. Unbelievable miracle moment. But that moment had an origin. Here's, here's what we didn't talk about last weekend. In John chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, you find out where that bread and fish came from. One of his disciples said to Jesus, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. See, that miracle started with a little boy giving up his lunch. Don't, don't, don't miss the simple and yet profound reality. There's a little boy who showed up that day who probably had an awesome mom because he didn't pack his own lunch. Moms, can I get an Amen. Like he, he, didn't, he didn't think to go and get his own fish and bread. And like, I better bring food. It's going to be a long day. The mom's like, no, you don't leave here without your lunch. You're going to be skin and bones by the time you get home. He had no idea what was going to happen, but he knew this. I got my little sack lunch, and he was good. Don't miss this. There were 5,000 hungry people. He wasn't one of them. He brought his lunch. Thanks, mom. And he gets there. And Jesus requires him to give up his lunch so that 5,000 people will be fed. See, most breakthrough moments in life where people are loved, cared for, and fed, if you trace them back, there's someone who gave something up so that other people could be served. And listen, Jesus didn't need the boy's lunch. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and just fish fell out of the sky. It'd be really gross, but he could have done it. He's Jesus. And yet, he chose to invite the boy to play a part in his miracle, but it required that he gave up his lunch. Don't pretend that being a daymaker isn't going to cost you something. See, now I want to tell you about this boy named Max. See, Max is a nine-year-old, and he, uh, he goes to 12 Stone, one of our awesome kids here in our elementary K-12 ministry. He's in elementary school, and last week he brought to school, he's so excited, a bunch of daymaker stuff, but he brought a single daymaker sticker. And as a nine-year-old, you can't fathom the value of a sticker, like, my kids have stickers they've saved for years that they're never going to use but would never give away. Here's how I say it. Having a sticker in elementary school 
is kind of like it's kind of like having a pack of cigarettes in prison. Listen, it's it's it is it is currency. It's currency in elementary school. You trade these things. You get deals done. Now you're seeing it. That's that's how valuable a sticker is in elementary school. So he brings his sticker. He's showing his daymaker stuff to his friends. And one of the girls at his lunch table is like, what's going on? He's like, this is daymaker. My church is doing this where we're invited to like make other people's days so that they know how much Jesus loves them. And this is what my church is doing. And she goes, what's church? And this nine-year-old in his innocence is like, what? And he's like, okay, let me, how do I explain this? He goes, you know what Christmas is? And she's like, yeah, man, Santa and presents. He's like, yeah, that's good. But really, it's about the birth of Jesus. He came to earth because he loves you. And then, you know, Easter, and she's like, yeah, like Easter money and candy. She's like, yeah, that's cool too. But that's when we, we celebrate Jesus dying and rising again from the dead because he loves you so much. And he gets to sit at a cafeteria table and preach the gospel to a friend over a little smiley face sticker. And I get to report back to you, church, that Max is a day maker. And he gave her his only sticker in that moment. And now that girl, hold on, that girl's carrying around a water bottle with a daymaker sticker on it. A message saying God loves you before she even knows God. Praise God. Let's celebrate a nine-year-old boy living it out. Come on, Max. See, Max had to trust like the boy did that Jesus could do more with what was in his hand than he could. He gave away his sticker. To a nine-year-old, it's like us giving away a car, man. See, in this story, we got the little boy who gave up his lunch. We got Andy and Tammy, the couple who gave up their Sunday afternoon. We got Max who gave up his sticker. If you're not catching on yet, being a daymaker is costly. There is a cost. There is a price to pay. There is a sacrifice inside of this. And I ask the question, why would anyone do this? <laughs> if it's so costly, why would you do it? It's hard to understand why. You'll never understand why someone would live this way until you understand the kingdom of God. See, there's an economy that plays out on this earth, and that economy works one way. And then God's kingdom has another economy that works counterintuitively to how this world works. And so today's Jesus Storybook Bible story invites us and introduces us to the kingdom of God. And I want you to see how Jesus begins to open this up to the Jesus Storybook Bible. One day, Jesus was telling people about God's kingdom. God's kingdom is wherever God is king. Jesus told them it's wherever God is in charge. It's where he fills your heart up with his forever happiness, and you stop running away from him, and you love him. But sometimes people couldn't understand things very well. So Jesus helped them by telling them stories called parables. And Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a hidden treasure. And then he tells them a story. Here's what Jesus is, is, is going to tell us. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand what the kingdom of God is like. So he has to illustrate it with metaphors, with, with stories, with pictures. And this story today is going to help you understand why would someone live like a daymaker. Here's what it says in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered back up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, when Jesus told this parable, people back then would have immediately understood. We have to understand a few things first. First of all, why is there a treasure in a field? 
Let's start there, all right? That's a fair question. Here's how things work. Back then, there wasn't Bank of America or Chase Bank, or I don't think there's Chase Bank at all anymore, is there? They got sold. Anyway, there wasn't a bank back then, so you couldn't go put your money on deposit somewhere. So what you would typically do is you would bury it somewhere that no one would find it again, whether because of poverty or political turmoil, people would come through and steal your stuff. If you just had stuff laying around, they'd come and steal it. So you go take your treasure, bury it in a field. The problem is if you don't leave a treasure map of some sort or tell someone where it is, Dora the Explorer, where's the map? Anybody? No? Parents? I have bad memories. If you don't tell someone where the treasure is and you die, the treasure dies there with you. And so this man was most likely in a field working on someone else's property, and he, tink, 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 what is that? And he finds the treasure. Why didn't he just take the treasure and run away? You have to understand the ancient law and customs. Here's the reality, that if you find treasure in a field, that treasure legally belongs to the owner of that field. And so if you were to take it, it would be theft. So he went back and covered it back up. He would have to purchase the field. Once he owns the field, whatever's in the field is his. If he would have pulled the treasure out and set it on the ground, once it's been exhumed from the ground, it is now known by the landowner and it is legally his. So what he has to do is he has to come up with the money to buy it. He found the treasure, but now he has to figure out how to pay for it. So what does he do? He goes and sells everything he owns. He's selling his recliner, his refrigerator, his flat screen, not really back then, but today that would be the case. He sells all his clothes. If he owns a house, he sells the house. He's cashing out. And notice the language that Jesus uses in the parable. He wasn't selling his stuff under duress. No one was forcing him to. Then in his joy, he sells all of his stuff. No one was forcing him to sell everything he owned. Listen, there's only two ways to compel someone to action. The first one's with a stick through fear. Do it or else. The other one is through showing them something of great value, a treasure, and saying, hey, it's yours if you want it. See, the kingdom of God is not compelled you to action through force and through fear. It's just a beautiful invitation. And this man, no one forced him to sell his stuff. No one said, get rid of your house and your clothes. He saw the treasure and he gladly gave up everything he owned to purchase it. I don't have time to teach this, but I just, I just want to say it. This parable is also a picture of salvation. God is not forcing you to bend the knee, to bow your life and follow Jesus. He's never going to force you. What does he do? He simply lays out the treasure of a life in Christ and says, listen, if you want it, you would gladly trade anything for it. He's never going to force you. But once you see it, oh, you'll bow to it so fast. That's how God invites us into salvation. Here's what Jesus is saying. Here's the, the moral of the, of the parable. When you discover a treasure worth trading for, you'll joyfully do it. That deserved a better response. When you discover a treasure worth trading for, you'll joyfully do it. Come on, church. That's the invitation of the kingdom. But let but let me play out how I read scripture in my, in my crazy brain. See, what was clear to that man would have been confusing to everybody else around him. Think if you were his friend or neighbor. Out of nowhere, he comes home from work, and he's got this like poop-eating grin on his face. He's like trying, to, like trying to hide it. Like everything's cool. And then suddenly he starts putting like for sale stickers on stuff. And you're like, Billy, what are you doing, bro? He's like, nothing. Remember, he couldn't tell him what he found. 
Because if he told them about the treasure, the owner would have claimed it. So he's got to play it cool. When he starts selling his couch, his clothes, they're like, Billy, aren't you going to need your clothes someday? He's like, no, it's fine. Sells his house, sells everything. It's like, are you, are you going through bankruptcy? Have you lost your mind? What are you doing? Like, imagine one of your friends doesn't tell you anything, and on Facebook Marketplace, sells everything they own. You'd have questions, wouldn't you? Like, they're going, why would you sell all your stuff? You're crazy. See, I watched my friends who were like a click ahead of me in life make trades with their life that I thought were crazy. Dude, we're, we're, life is good. We're, we're living as bachelors. We have an apartment together. We play golf every Saturday. We stay up late, play video games, hanging with the boys. And then he gets a little girlfriend. I'm like, what are you doing? And I, I'm like, dude, this is getting serious. Let's knock this off. We got at least three more years of this. And he's like, dude, I'm falling for it. And I watch him trade all of that bachelor life for a girl. And I'm going, what are you doing, bro? You're crazy. Till I met Amber. And I'm like, man, I don't know about this bachelor thing. She, have you seen her? Dude, I, I suddenly am willing to make the trade. Because why? I found the treasure. See, my friends had kids. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to buy a minivan, bro. You're going to trade your little coupe with a little fat six-cylinder engine, that thing you're flying around. You're going to trade your hobbies. You're never going to sleep again. What are you? You're crazy. Why would you trade this freedom we have? And I held Luke in my arms for the first time. And I go, I would trade the world for you. See, when you recognize the treasure, you make the trade joyfully. Some of y'all saw your friends trade their 401ks and their savings account for cryptocurrency last year. That one was crazy. That was not a good trade. Sorry. <laughs> See, here's that hurt for some of you. I heard like laughter and then a couple, oh, like that hurt somewhere deep. <laughs> See, here's the moral. When you find a treasure worth trading for, you'll make that trade joyfully. See, our daymaker calling is simply this. It's an invitation to trade lesser things for greater things. See, when that man saw the treasure in the field, what did he find? A greater thing. That morning when he left for work, what was, more, what was the greatest in his life? All my stuff is greater until he found the treasure. But how do you determine what's greater and lesser? That's why this kingdom of God thing matters. Because in this world, the kingdom of this earth, greater things would be your stuff. It would be your time, your freedom, your money staying in your hands, your time staying in your calendar, your effort, your energy, your care staying in your heart. So how do you know what's really valuable when the world, kingdom of earth and kingdom of God are so different? Here's how. Value is determined by how much someone is willing to trade for it. It's that simple. Value is not determined just objectively. It's, 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 it's determined by how much someone's willing to trade for it. Have you ever listed an old piece of furniture on Facebook Marketplace or somewhere else, eBay? I don't know where you guys sell your stuff. Anyone ever sold anything online? In a newspaper. Anyone? Have you ever sold? Are you pack rats? You've never sold a single thing. You should sell some things today. Immediately. It's like this. I've seen friends, and we might have done it as well. You have like an old couch, and you're like, I paid two grand for that five years ago. Let's sell it for $1,500. You put it online. And you, you look at that thing and think it's worth $1,500. And then you don't get any responses. You go, let's, let's go $1,450. 
1449. And you get down to 1,000 and 500. Turns out the value you put on it, no one was willing to trade for it. And what do you end up with? Couch for sale, OBO. <laughs> or best offer, just get it out. See, you determine something's value by how much someone's willing to trade for it. And if that's true, I need you to see the value that God puts on you and I and on people in general. Here is the verse that everybody's heard before, but it determines your value. For God so loved the world, he loved you so much that he gave his only son. What did God trade for you? His son. I would not trade my son for many people on this earth. And Jesus, tra God traded his son Jesus for everyone. So that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God was willing to bankrupt heaven to get you back. He was willing to go into the table and say, I'm going to sign away my son with the hope that you'll sign on and I'll redeem you back to me. You're never going to bump into anybody on this earth that Jesus didn't die for. The value of people. How do you determine what's valuable by how much someone would trade for it? The God of the universe would trade for humanity, his own son. His value he puts on people is unmatched and unparalleled in all of history. So listen, if God would trade his son for you and I, what wouldn't God ask you to trade for someone else? It's not like God's telling you to do something he's never done. He went first. <laughs> he led the way going, hey, I'm going to go ahead and trump everything. This is the top trade of all time, Jesus for you. And now I'm going to ask you to consider trading an hour of your time on the side of the road. See, when you put it in the perspective, you go, well, that's nothing. <laughs> What's an hour? What's a $20 bill? What's an afternoon? What's waiting the extra 10 seconds to hold a door for someone and smile? These things are small in comparison to the gospel. Listen, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you daymaker imagination for how God would invite you to serve people. You might trade some time out of your day. You're a teacher, maybe. And you might, God might say, I want you to trade your free period your prep period, and you're going to spend time with that kid who's struggling, and you're going to represent my heart. God might say, listen, take some money from your wallet and bless that person. You're like, what? God's like, yeah, I, I want them to know that I see them. Trust me. You might, you might have, you, God might say, listen, trade some of your wisdom or your experience in leadership and business and go pour into somebody that you would never give access to. They're so far down the ladder in your company, they would never know your name. Go invest in them. Maybe you're a student and you, God's going to say, I want you to trade your popularity and open up a seat at your table. Leverage what I've already given you, what I've put in your hands and trade it for someone else. Maybe God would say, listen, trade your skills and ability. You can fix anything. That's not me, but you, you can fix anything. And you hear about a single mom and you go, I'm going to go trade what I can do to show someone that they matter to God. So the question, why should I be a daymaker? Why would you live this way? Simply put, being a daymaker is costly, but the treasure is worth the trade. God didn't bring you here to try to convince you that the trades were going to be easy and cheap. You're here because he wants you to see clearly how valuable the treasure of people is to him. The treasure is worth the trade. 
See, if you'd have driven by Andy and Tammy on the side of the road in Snellville last week and you go, what are you doing? There's police there. They're gonna write it up and she'll be on her way. Why are you stopping? You're crazy. Here's what, here's what Tammy said as she was driving away from the accident last week. She said, it was like as I was leaving, the spirit of God whispered to me, being a daymaker is as much for me as it is for the people we just served. She would say the treasure is worth the trade. The boy with his lunch he had to give up his lunch. He had to give up a guaranteed meal and say, all right, Jesus, I might not eat today. Here's my trade. And he had to settle in his soul that Jesus could do more with his lunch than he could. Listen, in his hands, that lunch would have fed one. In Jesus' hands, that lunch fed thousands. And how many times did he get to tell that story? I'm the guy who Jesus used to feed 5,000 people. Listen, so there I was. And his friends were like, Tommy, we've heard this before, bro. He's like, you're going to hear it again. This was the coolest day of my life. I gave Jesus my lunch, and he just started doing this. And I'm over here like, Jesus. And Jesus like winked at me, and I'm like, slow motion, high five, free. And I was like, that's not how it happened, Tommy. Every time you tell it, it gets more exaggerated. But what would he tell you? The treasure was worth the trade. So the man from the parable sold everything he owned and somehow ended up with something more valuable than what he started with. He'd tell you the treasure is worth the trade. And listen, the daymaker trades you make will be costly. But the treasure is worth the trade. You trade your lunch, sticker, an hour of your day, your care, your compassion, your resources, your talent. And God says, you trade that. And the rewards you're going to get is you're going to get a deep-seated joy and fulfillment with your life. You're going to get a deeper sense of meaning and purpose. Those moments that used to be mundane suddenly are exciting again. This is the treasure God gives you. And this is not prosperity gospel. This is kingdom living. Here's what I'm not saying. If you give that person a dollar, God will give you a thousand dollars. No, it's not how it works. It's not, it's not in here. But what he is saying is this. If you live this way, your life will be rich. But rich with stories how God used you to impact the lives of other people. And listen, maybe I'm getting weird as I get older, but the older I get, the more I value stories. Like little things you get to tuck in your pocket and carry with you, the moment where God works through you in this person's life or that person's life or this person's life. Tell me that Andy and Tammy aren't carrying that story with them. Tell me that Max isn't carrying that story with them. Tell me that all these daymaker stories that God's piling up, we don't get to, your life will be richer if you live for something bigger than yourself. That's the invitation of this. And you get a front row seat to watch Jesus transform the lives of people. People like Robbie and Tracy. And buckle up, because this story is bananas. Here's how this story plays out. Robbie and Tracy started coming to our church about six weeks ago. And they came because they had a bunch of marriage struggles, and they had emotional health struggles, personal struggles, and by the way, they know we're telling this story, so don't worry. And they showed up, like many of us, sort of broken, sort of at the end of their rope, and they said, listen, why not try out church? We went when we were kids. Maybe there's something there. And they showed up at the Buford campus with the hopes that they could just check the church box and get out of there. But y'all wouldn't let them do that. And they walked in, the daymakers at Buford grabbed them and said, we're so glad you're here. 
They gave them a tour of the campus, helped get everything set, got them to their seats, got them coffee, all the things. And he said it this way. Robbie said, we were greeted by the most genuinely happy people we've ever met. See, Daymaker is not about smiley face stickers. It's about people with real, genuine smiles. <laughs> we met real, genuinely good, loving people. And so before they could leave, they were caught. Pastor Steve said, dude, how'd you get here in the first place, Robbie? And he said, man, I work at Costco. Any Costco fans? Come on now. Half the stuff in my house is Costco. If I had a million dollar gift card, that's where I'd take it. <laughs> and he's like, man, I work at Costco and I see y'all, y'all come into my store Sunday afternoons in all your 12 stone shirts and stuff. And I see you running around and Y'all are high-fiving each other and hugging each other. I see you fools grabbing each other and praying in the aisles for each other. And I'm watching you and I'm going, what's going on? And he said, one day I was having a really junky day. And one of you 12 stunners showed up and I saw your logo on your shirt. And you came to the checkout line and you asked me, how am I doing? And I said, it's not good. And he said, man, I'd love to pray for you. And at the time he was like, I don't believe in this junk. And he had some... <laughs> Language I can't repeat here, but basically take your stuff and go. And that guy was like, not a daymaker today. All right. And he left. <laughs> and the next guy in line said, man, I couldn't help but overhearing. I'm going to ask again. I'd love to pray for you. He goes, fine. Pray for me. And he put his head down, slid to the side, and this 12-stoner put a hand on his shoulder. And he said, by the time I looked up, there was 25 12-stoners surrounding me. Got out of line, praying over me in the Costco. What? And he goes, that's why I came to 12-stone. Because these crazy people would do crazy things in public. <laughs> because it felt like they actually loved me. That's something that's pretty rare these days. And they've been coming to church every week for six weeks. And listen, two weeks ago, Robbie and Tracy stood up, surrendered their lives to Jesus, and they would tell you that they are changed people. Can we celebrate what happens when one is in the kingdom? Come on. But I, I want you to see all the trades in the story. And just humor me. At Costco, people had to trade their time to notice that Robbie was having a hard day and actually have the conversation. And then people had to trade their reputation, what people would think of them praying in public at a Costco. Third, they had to trade maybe the biggest thing of all. They had to get out of line and lose their place at Costco on a Sunday. Like, that's a trade. I don't know that I could do it. I hope I would. Then they get to 12 Stone, and there are people that had to trade their sleep on a Sunday morning to show up and love and serve Robbie and Tracy and their family, and people who had to trade their gifts and their spiritual gifting and wiring to serve in places where they are wired to serve. And then eventually that led Robbie and Tracy to being able to trade their sin and shame for the salvation of Jesus. And listen, Robbie and Tracy, the treasure of you coming to Christ was worth the trades of all of this. That's the nature of how the kingdom of God works. And when you see Robbie and Costco, I'm going to ask you a favor. Don't be a day taker. That's a term my son coined when he does opposite things to Daymaker. Like when he does something bad, day taker, it's like doesn't work that way. Don't be that guy in Costco. When you see him, don't, don't go annoy him and ruin his day. Don't go pull on him and I want to talk. You're the guy from church today. Don't do that. Just give him a smile, a nod, and acknowledge what Jesus is doing in his life and don't get him fired. That would be bad. Give him some space when you're there. Robbie, we love you. I'll see you probably next Saturday as always.
See, here's the reality of Daymaker. It starts easy and fun. It's a great idea. It's fun. It's a blast. The stories we get to tell, it's awesome. But Daymaker is hard to sustain day in and day out because it's costly. Like, let's not ignore the fact that there will be moments where the Spirit of God just taps you on the shoulder and says, right there, that person, pull over right there, bless them with this. I know that's yours, it's theirs now. There's cost to it. And I want to invite you to do something that, that, that could be cheesy, but I think it's deeply meaningful. I did it this week. You can go on our social media all day today, and you can download a wallpaper for your phone, Daymaker wallpaper. And here's, all, here's the purpose of it. I want that to serve as a reminder. Every time you grab your phone, it's like the Holy Spirit's going, you're a daymaker. Don't forget it. I know it's costly. Don't forget it. The treasure's worth the trade. Because here's what's going to happen. You get into the daily of life, and you get busy, and you start running, and everything starts happening. You forget it. I, for me this week, the amount of times I grabbed my phone and went, oh, God, any place you have, and here's the prayer offered, same prayer as last weekend, and here's the invitation to, to offer this prayer every morning. God, my life is yours. Here's the prayer. It's this, simply this. Eyes, I want Jesus to help me see people like he does. And maybe you just put your hand next to your eyes. Jesus, help me see people like you do. You sent, God, you sent Jesus to rescue them. I want to see their value. Secondly, heart, Jesus, help me to love people like you do. And then third, your hands. Jesus, help me to serve people like you do. And when you put your hands out in prayer, I want you to ask yourself a question. What has God put in my hands that I might trade to serve somebody else? Take inventory. It's an hour on a Sunday afternoon. It's a sticker in elementary school. It's a lunch. It's a prayer in Costco. It's a skill or ability God's given you. What has God put in your hands? Because listen, Jesus can do more with what's in your hands than you could ever do. You think you can do a lot with a dollar in an hour? Think about what Jesus can do. A little boy thought he could feed himself for the lunch. Jesus goes, how about this? I'll feed everybody with it. God, what have you put in my hands? Take inventory. As I prepare to turn the service over to our pastors across the campuses and the 12 Stone Home, God has called us all to be daymakers everywhere, all the time. But specifically, God has called us to become a daymaker church. And 12 Stone Home, Pastor Dave is going to give you specifics sort of in your lane, but I want to talk to us here locally directly for just a minute. See, some of you are just checking us out for the first time, much like Robbie and Tracy were doing six weeks ago. Welcome. Maybe your last weekend was your first weekend with us. Maybe today, maybe a couple months ago, and you're newer in the mix. If you're newer, here's what I want you to know. <clears throat> we are committed to making your day here at this church. We'll hold signs for you. We'll high-five your kids. We'll pull your kids in on wagons with your permission, of course. We'll help you get them checked in and served. We'll help you find a seat. We'll give you free coffee. We'll do all the things. We will go above and beyond to make your day. That's why we're here. But if you go back to the feeding of the 5,000 story, listen, if you would have been among the 5,000 of the people who got fed while somebody else gave up their lunch, that's okay. But the best way to experience this story is by being the kid who traded his lunch. He's the one that, that got to make a difference. He was the one that got to see Jesus do a miracle front row with his lunch. In other words, we're committed to being your daymakers until the Spirit of God opens your eyes to your calling to also be a daymaker. 
See, most people think that the way we grow spiritually is by receiving. But Jesus is the one who said it's better to give than receive. Why? Because that's how you grow spiritually. You grow when you give. That's what transforms your life. It's when you go from living close-handed, my lunch, my sticker, my time, my life, to saying, God, it's yours anyway. Would you multiply this little thing I have in my hands and make an impact in the life of people? Your life doesn't get bigger and your faith doesn't go deeper until you willingly start to give up your lunch. That's how God designed it, and that's our goal for your life. And I'm telling you up front, because I don't want to have smoke and mirrors and pretend, that's what we're fighting for for your life. And we've created something called Growth Track that is designed specifically to help you understand what did God put in your hands? Like God, maybe you didn't know this, God wired you uniquely on purpose and for a purpose. You're not here by mistake. God put unique spiritual gifts and passions and wiring and all this in you. And you are unique. And what we want to help you do is unlock what God's already put in you. What has God put in your hands? And then how do you actually live that out with great purpose? And Growth Track starts across all of our campuses next Sunday, and it goes for the next three weeks. And if you want to get in, text Growth to text Daymaker to 37748. This might be the most profound text message you've ever sent. Because you've never realized how God's created you, how God's wired you, and then how God wants to use you to make the day of somebody else. And here's my promise. If you will give us three Sundays, you will leave knowing who God's made you to be and how you can be a daymaker in our church and across this territory and anywhere else in your life. And it's for anybody in this church, whether you're brand new today or whether you've been here for decades. We want to help unlock what God's put in you because you were designed and called to be a daymaker somewhere on purpose, somewhere unique to who God made you to be, and we want to help unlock that. So listen, jump in, find your place, become a daymaker. And your pastors across the campuses and at 12 Stone Home, they're going to flesh out what this looks like. So guys, would you seal this moment and seal this invitation for us collectively to live as daymakers? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one. 